Hi, I'm Maureen Milliken. And I'm Rebecca Milliken, and this is Groovy Tube. And um, we're back after six weeks off. <laughs> yes, quite a long time. A year time. and a half off. A year and a half. It was going to be six weeks. It was, but, but it, things got... Things happened. Um, so, we were doing six, before our, our hiatus, if you want to call it that, we were doing um, six episodes of the Brady Bunch in each of our podcast episodes, but now we're going to shorten it a little bit and do four. Yes. So to, to tonight, tonight, for this episode, we have some classics. Yes. Um, we're on season four. If you've been listening along, waiting patiently. So tonight we're going to do a season four, episode 13, 14, 15, and 16. Yeah. So episode 13, mm-hmm. I think you'll remember this yeah, one. I remember. It's a little creepy. Love and the Older Man. Yeah. Marsha has a crush on her new dentist, which only intensifies when she mistakes an opportunity to babysit for him as a date with him to the ballet. Mm-hmm. Law and Disorder. Bobby doesn't want to be safety monitor for his class because his classmates now hate him. However, <laughs> he soon abuses his power, surprise, surprise, and begins reporting on his family when they break house <laughs> rules. Meanwhile... The family salvages an old sailboat. Episode 15, Greg gets grounded. Oh, yeah. (laughs) After Greg is grounded for a week for careless driving, he gets in a dispute with his parents over their, quote, exact words. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Bobby and Peter enter frogs in a frog jumping contest. And the last one for today, Amateur Night with Night inexplicably spelled n-i-t-e isn't that way they spell it and also um it was during the day wasn't it yes you were anyway, correct the kids want to buy mike and carol an engraved silver tray as their anniversary gift Yay. but jan goose up on paying for the tray in fact she's called stupid several times yeah show. well she is to fix the mistake, Jan convinces her siblings to audition for an amateur talent show. Mm-hmm. So a lot a lot to digest there. Yes. Okay, so let's start with episode 15. It starts with Marsha riding into the driveway on her bike, acting high and horny. <laughs> and as we've seen Marsha in the state yes. before. And the outdoor grill is on display again. We hadn't seen that yeah. before. But anyway, she's dancing around in the yard. She she drifts into the kitchen where Alice and Carol are making meatloaf, which I love meatloaf. Marsha comes in acting she's acting really goofy. Carol asks her if she's in pain. <laughs> She's like, no, and she acts really out of it. And Alice says she wants what Marsha, the doctor gave Marsha. Yeah. And Carol asks her how the dentist appointment went with Dr. Gordon. Marsha says, oh, he's in Europe. He's on vacation. She saw Dr. Vogel. Mm-hmm. Dr. Stanley, Stanley Vogel. Vogel. Dr. Stanley Vogel. And he is far out. Alice and Carol are intrigued. Yes, they are. <laughs> and Marsha's really excited because on Thursday, she gets to go back for her filling. And I have to say, that was a really quick schedule for a filling after uh, Yeah, but cleaning. it was the 70s. Yeah. Maybe they... Alice and Carol think it's funny. They're mm-hmm. amused. Yeah. So now the next scene is the girls' room. Marsha is in the mirror, which the Brady kids like to look in the mirror They a lot. do. They do. She's looking at her teeth in the mirror. And Cindy makes some stupid comment, which I, I don't remember what exactly she said, but it was stupid. Because Cindy, as usual, is acting like she's like five, yeah. when at this point she's at least ten. Right. 
Jan is reading an article in Teen Romance magazine, I think. Yeah. About being an old maid at 19. Yeah. And Marcia's like, why do you even read that shit? Well, you know what it reminded me of, though, when um, Mom used to get, I think it was Ladies Home Journal. Yes. When we were kids and they had that column, Can This Marriage Be Saved? I think that was Red Book, but I might be wrong. Well, one of those. One of those Can This Marriage Be Saved? I used to love reading that when I was a kid. I think it's still there. It's still in there. And then she's reading an article that says you should marry an older man. Someone 10 to 12 years older, they're more stable and more tender. And I think they're probably more controlling, although that didn't oh, say it in the article. I don't know. There's, um, you know, young guys can be controlling, too. I think it goes with the assumption that the woman needs to be dominate, like the man has to be the dominant. And the woman has to be taken care of. Right. Marsha's gears are churning when mm-hmm. Jan's reading. At first uh, she thinks it's a, such a stupid magazine, but once Jan says what she wants to hear. Yeah. And Jan says, Dr. Vogel would be perfect for you, Marsha. Marsha laments that to him, she's just a mouthful of tea. Mm-hmm. Mike is home from work. <laughs> so it must be like two o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> two or three o'clock. We say that like every episode. I know, I know. Um, he's wearing these groovy white bell bottoms. He's looking really groovy. Carol tells him that Miss Miller, who sounded really sexy, called for him. And he's like, Ew. Yeah. And it turns out he has a dental appointment the next day. Yeah. And Carol says that Dr. Vogel is a dreamboat, according to Marsha. And Mike's like, ooh, I'll have to check him out. Or he yeah, doesn't say check he him doesn't. out. He doesn't. But, you know, it's kind of ironic given... Oh, that, yeah. You know, that Bob Reed is gay. Mm-hmm. You know, that maybe he and Dr. Vogel would have made a better couple than Dr. Been. Vogel. And the next scene is at the dentist. Mike and Dr. Vogel are having this, you know, man-to-man, man-to-man bro-type conversation. And Mike tells Dr. Vogel that Marsha really likes him. And, you know, I, I that annoyed me a little, like... Mike kind of just outing Marsha's crush to Dr. Vogel like that. Dr. Vogel says she's a sharp, nice young lady. And he asked if she ever babysits, and Mike's like, sure. And he said, well, I need a babysitter for Friday. And Mike says, Marsha might be able to do it. Yeah. And by the way, Dr. Stanley Vogel is played by an actor named Don Don Reed, R I. R-E-I-D, so no, not like Bob Reed. No, R-E-I-D. But I looked him up on IMBD, and mm-hmm. he did not have a stellar career. I know. All his credentials were mostly in the 70s, where he was on one episode of things like Canon and Police Woman. He did a there lot was of one thing, he was on two episodes, Dynasty, and his last credit is 1989, when he was on one episode of General Hospital. I know, I saw that he was on General Hospital. One episode. So maybe why. he found something better to do with know. his life. He's cute, though. He, he was cute. all right. I don't know. He was kind of too, like, good-looking looking for guy. me. Yeah. The next scene is in the yard. And this is the subplot of this one. Pete and Bobby are working on a go-kart. Greg shows up and he's commenting. Uh, Greg's wearing a t-shirt with flowers around the center, middle of it. And he has several t-shirts like this. Yes. Those were very popular they in the were, 70s. I think we had some ourselves. And then Marcia comes into the yard, and Greg says she he wants to know if she wants to go bowling with Eddie Bryan on Friday night, and she's like, ah, I guess so. And Greg's like, What do you mean you guess so? Like, like I guess she should be grateful that this Eddie Bryan guy wants yeah. to go out with her. And Marcia's like, Well, he's kind of immature. So as we can see, that this is a recurring theme with Marcia about immaturity. And yes, thinking she's so mature. Yes. Now we're in the family room. Alice is vacuuming. The- Looking for change. Because she gets paid shit. Oh. And Carol comes in and Mike comes home. And Carol says, how's Dr. Vogel? And Mike says he thinks he's dreamy. 
Mm-hmm. And he tells Carol that Dr. Vogel wants Marsha to babysit. And Carol says, uh, she's in her room. Why don't you go ask her? Because they're always in their room. If- I know. So the girls from all the girls are studying. Mike comes in and he asks Marsha. The way he the way he words this is, is... It's very weird. You know, it's like, I blame everything that happens after this on Mike. I do too. And I remember watching this when I was little and being very uncomfortable about Marsha jumping to a conclusion. Yes. Even though... I don't know why it would surprise right. me. Because, well, Mike asks her, that Mike says, Dr. Vogel wants to know if she's free Friday night. Yes. And, and she says that, well, first she says, he doesn't say, he says, are you busy Friday night? And she says, well, I have a date. And Mike's like, okay, then it's not important. And Marsha's like, well, what, what are you talking about? And Mike says, Dr. Vogel wanted to know if you were free, but never mind. And then he, like, leaves. And Marsha and Jan and Cindy all jump to the wrong conclusion that Dr. Vogel was asking Which Mike. Which is a little weird. If... If Marsha could go out and how he was being gallant and old-fashioned. To ask the father. Permission. And, of course, Mike would pimp for his, what, how old is Marsha? 14, 15? No, she's like 16 oh, or okay. 17. Oh, okay. Jesus. She's of age then. Okay. So now we're back to the driveway and they're working on the stupid go-kart again, which won't start because Peter forgot gas. Marsha comes out and she's dressed up in this cute light blue outfit, mini skirt outfit with the sweater. But she's going to the dentist in it. And she rides her bicycle in this nice outfit, which I thought was interesting. She doesn't care. She just gets on the bicycle in her miniskirt. The boys comment on how dressed up she is, and she she calls them children. Of course. And Peter says, la-di-da. <laughs> <laughs> which I still say sometimes. Yeah, me too. And now at Dr. Vogel's office, Marcia is acting really weird. She tells him Friday is fine. First of all, she's acting really weird and, like, fake, but he doesn't seem to notice. He's oblivious. Yes. Acting like she did, uh, like, her first day of high school. And then he, and he's just making small talk, and he tells her he has tickets to the ballet. Mm-hmm. And this is the one, I also remember this scene, and I was like, ah, what's going to happen? I was, it made me very uncomfortable. And Marsha, of course, you know, oh, I love the ballet. And he doesn't, like, pick up on it because he's yeah, a fucking moron. Well, he's a guy, you know, and he's not really paying attention. Well, he assumes that she thinks she's babysitting. Right. So when Marsha gets back from the dentist, uh, Carol's doing needlepoint again, mm-hmm. and Marsha stops to talk to her. Nobody ever reads a book in this fucking house. Sometimes Except Carol's for Jan reading. Was no, when sometimes she had to read for that test. Sometimes Carol re- is reading a magazine. Yeah, that's true. So Marcia stops to talk to Carol, and they talk about Friday night. And Marcia's like, "Well, do you think it's okay?" And Carol's like, "Oh yes, I think it'll be a good experience." Experience, which is also weird, weird. like because she babysits all the time. And also, can no one say the word babysitting? In any of these conversations, can nobody say the word babysit? And so Marcia... I know they need it for the plot. Marcia is like, wow. So she goes upstairs. Marcia tells the girls, oh, yeah, Dr. Vogel asked me out to the ballet. And Jan asks, well, is it okay with mom and dad? And Marcia said, mom said it would be a good experience. And then Marcia has a stupid daydream about being Mrs. Dr. Dentist. And the thing is, it's weird, like, it's all this weird dental stuff, and it's like, it just seems like a really weird fantasy for a healthy, heterosexual, red-blooded American girl to have about a guy that she wants to get with. I know. You know? Especially it was like 1973. Yeah. Come on, people were having sex left and right back then. Oh. It was pre-AIDS and all that other stuff. Marsha is doing, she's doing homework in the family room, and Carol 
tells her it's time to clean up and get ready for dinner. But meanwhile, Marsha's having a stupid daydream that she's cooking dinner. The kitchen's the same as Mm -hmm. hers. And Bobby and Cindy come in, and for some reason they have these weird... Victorian uh, child outfits. And they have British, kind of British accents, and are acting weird. And then Alice comes in wearing a very short maid's outfit. Yes, it's a very weird... Which I wonder about Marsha. So Marsha... But um, I will have to say that Ambie Davis looks... She looked good in the maid outfit. Yes, she is very nice But it's weird weird that Marsha would have this daydream about her and Dr. Stanley Vogel about their family life, and yet their children look like Cindy and Bobby, and they have a maid... That's like Alice, only she's wearing this like almost <laughs> porno. French I know, outfit. like it's like like sexy made Halloween yeah, costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, Carol yells at her to snap her out of her stupid daydream. And Mike comes home. This time it is dinner time. And Carol is, starts grabbing him and massaging him. <laughs> yeah. And Marsha is standing on the stairs where where everybody stands when they're like spying on people. <laughs> And it launches her into another daydream where her husband, Dr. Vogel, comes home from work and they have a dental chair in the living room and he sits this could in have it. been so much such a different fantasy with that stuff. And he said the Levine kid bit me. Yeah. It was a horrible day. Yeah. They're very disturbing daydreams and I know they're supposed to be silly, but they're really Yeah. Weird. Well, these are middle aged men writing the daydreams of That's a true. teenage girl. <laughs> So Jan's on the phone. It's, uh, it seems to be night at night that the night before Marsha's uh, filling appointment. I'm assuming Jan. She's talking on the phone and she says something is awful and she has to tell Marsha to whoever she's talking to. Yeah. Marsha comes down the stairs and Jan says, "I need." to ask you some advice. She says, my friend Kathy's sister is thinking about going out with a married man. And Jan poses the scenario that this person fell in love with the married man before she knew he was married. Mm. And Marcia says, it's wrong no matter what. Just because you didn't know before, once you know, you're yeah, good you're for Marcia. That's right. Marcia says being the other woman is not is not for her. No. She doesn't say it's wrong because he's married. She says right. you'd have a horrible life waiting for him to call you all the right. time. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. She yeah. didn't say it's wrong if somebody's married right. and has kids. And nobody says about the guy. Do you really want to be with a guy who's going to cheat on his wife? Because the other woman. Is not in the marriage. The guy's in a marriage. I'm just saying. I know. I understand. And Chan says, well, I'm glad you feel that way because uh, you need to know that Dr. Vogel is married. Mm -hmm. And Marsha is crestfallen. She is, yeah. So Marsha goes in the kitchen where Alice is working and says she wants to talk woman to woman. And Alice says it'd be hard to do it any other way. (laughs) (laughs) Then they get serious. And Marsha asks, uh, she said she has to ask Alice about the situation. And what if Alice found out Sam was married. So, of course, Alice jumped to the conclusion that Sam's married, even though I don't know how he possibly could be. And Marcia's like, no, no, I'm just saying I know somebody who's seeing somebody who's married. And Alice says, well, someone in that situation needs to stop it right away, and they need to do it face-to-face, not by the phone, not, you know, you have to just go. Right. Because the only way to do it back then would have been by the phone if you didn't do it face-to-face, or a letter, writing yes, a letter. Yes, you can write a letter. Or sending them a telegram, I guess. So the the timeline on this, this episode is weird because Marsha had her filling 
at, which was a Thursday, and he said he, she was going to babysit Friday night. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Marsha bursts into Dr. Vogel's office. I guess he doesn't have a, a receptionist or anything. And or maybe she overpowered the receptionist. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't. I mean, what if he's with a patient or something? Mm-hmm. And he thinks that she's there because she has a sore tooth. Because she's like, I but can't take it anymore. Out. Or yeah, that, the filling's, yeah, the filling's coming, coming out. out. Yeah. Marsha says she can't go on like this. And then she won't let him talk, which is a trope that's often used so he picks up on her like right. she's saying we can't what is she say something like we can't i can't go on like this and then she, once he realizes right. that she's he plays along he plays along which is also a little weird it's kind of funny but the way he and yes it is except for if you extrapolate it into real life yeah i know that she's for the rest of her life gonna think that this married dentist who was a good ten or twelve dozen years, years yes. older than her at least wanted to date her and she was practically a child. Yes, that's true. Although it was seventy, so now we're back to the backyard. She's come back from the from Doctor Vogel's, and Greg doesn't really want to talk to her, but she she tells Greg she does want to go out with Eddie. Yes. And so he's like, okay. So then the next scene is that Greg and Marsha are leaving for the bowling date. Apparently, it's a double date with Greg mm-hmm. and probably Rachel. Yeah. His girlfriend mm-hmm. that we see off and on. Mm-hmm. And Eddie. And Mike and Carol, of course, are sitting around in the living room doing whatever. And they're wondering, gee, I wonder why she changed her mind. Jan has come in the room and says that she knows why. Yeah. And she starts to tell them because they're like, well, why? Yeah. And then she says that they're they're not young enough to know, uh, which they think is funny. Yeah. And then the tag is Alice is in the driveway scrubbing a screen. And I just want to say I saw this coming. From no, the beginning it of didn't the show. happen though. Yeah. It what happened didn't happen. I know. I mean, what I thought was going to happen yeah. didn't happen. Yeah, I know. Greg is trying to start the go kart and doesn't start, doesn't start. So he kicks it, and they walk. The boys walk away, and then it starts up on its own and goes down the driveway. And you think it's going to go through the screen. Incredibly, it does not, because... Except for somehow, Alice, it's chasing Alice, and she gets in front of it and runs in front of it screaming, and it's like, why doesn't she just get out of the way instead of <laughs> running she's in Alice. front of it screaming? So that is that one. Yeah, Did and I thought any? it was a fairly... I thought it, it felt like a fairly flat episode. It was pretty flat. Um, the it's subplot yeah. that led nowhere. The whole subplot with the go-kart was just so they could have that tag at the end. There was nothing, absolutely no reason to have that. The bad communication is pretty common. And, and not to get all Bob Reed about things, but the whole premise was... It, 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 they could have had the same premise, but done it. It was kind of gross. Yeah. And I felt like even Alice's jokes about wanting a man and stuff just felt perfunctory. I know. And I was also disappointed that, I guess I like ones with more Mike and Carol in them because I was disappointed that there was no Mike explaining. I know. There was no head games. I know. He didn't do anything. I know. Like that. He was just You think he, like. Except all he did was pimp out his daughter. Well, you'd think that, like, he would have. Tried to teach Marsha some kind of lesson yes. and let her go over let there. Let her go out. Let her get, get like, sh- sexually molested or raped <laughs> no. by Dr. Vogel to teach her that she shouldn't like older men or something yeah. like that. So, anyway. But, anyway. but I do remember that one very well. And I just remember, even when you're, like, seven or eight watching it, you know that she's jumping to a conclusion Right. And it makes you very uncomfortable. Yes, I like, never liked that. Those kind of plots where 
where someone has a crush like that and they're going to be embarrassed. Yes. They which they ended up not being, they ended up with her not really being embarrassed because, because he played he along. He played along. Right. But, but that's always made me uncomfortable, yeah. even since I was a little kid. And just think of how that whole thing would have played out differently in the Me Too, Too yeah. world. It would have been a whole different show. So now we're on episode 14, Law and Disorder. And I just want to say, for you younger listeners... <laughs> That the phrase law and order has been around for a long, long time. It predates your what may be your favorite t- long-running TV show. They're too young to like that. Law and order. The show's been out for like 50 on, like, years. Don't people watch it? Though? Yeah, but they're, old they're, people watch I it. I think young people do, too, because they think it's cool or whatever. Uh, okay. So I've heard. But I was reading the... I would think that IMDb would the internet movie database would have decent trivia. Somebody wrote on there as their trivia that the title of this Law and Disorder is a reference to the TV show Law and Order. But then somebody else wrote, no, it's not because the TV show Law and Order came out in 1990 and this came out in 1973. Yes. And Law and Order is actually a long time old thing. But on a more, a better, a better trivia thing, Barry Williams in his autobiography said that he was (laughs) high on pot through this entire episode. And I wish I had known that before I watched it. So I could have looked for the signs. But he's not in it that No, he's not in it. Maybe because he was too high. (laughs) Who wasn't high on pot? And this was also written by Elroy Schwartz. Yes. um, Sherwood Schwartz's brother. Oh. Well, it has many of the... Uh, standard uh, standard elements. Uh, Bobby going overboard on something, or all be, Peter does it too. Just Some annoying things. Teaching. And, Kids being assholes. And also that school looks like it. Can anything say Hollywood lot more than when it opens with that schoolyard? It looks like some like inner city school at first. And it's then, room two twenty two, Walt Whitman High School. Yeah. Yes, the first scene is outside of a school. Three little boys are walking, and Bobby calls to them. Uh, Bobby's coming along, and he calls to wait up, and they just snub him. Mm-hmm. And then two more boys come up and they also snub him and then he walks up two little girls come down the steps and bobby says hi i'll walk home with you (laughs) and they look at him with disdain and walk away and he's all sad and cindy comes down the steps and asks bobby what's wrong sorry poor cindy and he says his whole class hates him Mm-hmm. And that's the beginning. The next scene is in the driveway. Greg is fixing a bicycle tire. And Mike drives up with a boat on the roof. So it's right after school. Again, it's like 2 in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, Mike. I don't know how he keeps his job with all his... Well, so he drives up with this beat-up uh, little boat on the roof. Greg is like, Wah. wow. And Carol comes out. And uh, Mike tells her, yeah, I got this boat for free. And Carol is not impressed. Of course she's not. And Bobby comes home and he's very sad and hangdog. Mm -hmm. Which, every time someone comes home from school like that, they always have to really act it out. Yeah. He has no interest in the boat, which, of course, they're like, wow. He would have been the most interested. Yeah. And he says, I'm going up to my room. Yeah. And Mike and Carol's little antenna go up with that. (laughs) And we get the classic. And this. Mike Mike and Carol bedroom visit. Well, Mike, Carol, and Greg wonder what's wrong and then cindy is is coming home a little after bobby and says well his whole class hates him yeah and they're like yeah we know that (laughs) hates him but come on so now we're in the boys room and bobby is looking in the mirror which they are wont to do 
He looks at himself in the mirror and says, I hate you too. Wow, which is pretty, pretty. And he sticks his tongue out at his reflection. Pretty disturbing when you think about it. But wasn't Peter looking at himself in the mirror and saying something too? too? I don't know. Seems like it happens a lot. They've all done it. Mike and Carol, of course, this is their cue to come in. And they are ready for their... They they haven't had a chance to let you... They are locked and loaded. And they ask him if he wants to talk about it. He says there's nothing they or anyone can do. Mm. And he pulls out an armband with... That a says, swastika. It says SM on it. Uh-huh. And Carol says, it's safety monitor. Arm and band. thank God it, SM is safety monitor. Why? Sadomasochism? Yeah. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, and not something else. And Bobby says, Bobby says, no, it stands for snitch monitor. Uh, and he has to fink out all his friends. Uh-huh. And Mike thinks that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mike's like, yeah. Yeah. And Carol says, well, that's your job. And Bobby tells them no kid would volunteer. So the teacher picked him. And Mike says, well, she must have thought that Bobby was responsible enough to do a good job. And Mike points out it's not. It's not part of the cops' job to like enforcing the rules, although I they have to do. say some cops do. I think they do. But it's their shared responsibility. We get quite the Mike explanation. Yes. And Carol also backs him up. She says rules are important. Yes, they, they are. protect everybody. They do. And they tell him if he tries, he'll be a great safety monitor. And he's encouraged by that. And I have to say, as a viewer, I saw that this could maybe get out of hand. They should have seen that, too, because every single time (laughs) they tell one of their children that they can do something, then the child takes that advice and And runs with it. Oh, with With no no peripheral vision at all. Just a laser focus. So now we're in the boys' room, and it's at night. Obviously, the boys are asleep, but Bobby is under the covers with a flashlight reading something, and Carol comes in to check on them, apparently. And she's like, what she are you doing? She heard that flashlight click on. Mm-hmm. And he says he's studying the rule book. He says if he's going to be a safety monitor, he's going to be the best one ever. And Carol's like, okay, just a few more minutes. And like I said, it's all or nothing with the Brady's. Yeah. <laughs> So the next scene is the hall at school, and Bobby's writing some kid up for chewing gum. And I have to say, this scene acted as though neither Bobby nor the kid realized chewing gum was against the rules. No shit. And I'm like, that's like one of the biggest rules everybody would no know. Shit. I don't know what things are like now, but when we were kids, well, back then you, you did not. To, no. And, and you get can it stuck re- on you, the end of the, in, your nose. Or you would have to stay after school and scrape gum off the oh, bottom yes, of the Oh, yes, you had to do that, too. I just thought maybe they could have come up with a better example. The well, script could have, that's all. Then, then these two girls are talking. And this girl who looks very much like Cindy's older sister, I didn't look to see <laughs> if she was... I looked at the names of the kids, and I didn't write them down, but none of the names rang she looked, But she's talking to her friend, and she throws a, a piece of paper on the ground, and Bobby writes she, Well, she up. throws it towards the wastebasket, but it she doesn't She doesn't try in. very yeah, hard. No. Well, she's a girl, you know. So there's a bunch of short scenes, as you can 
guess, or if you watch it, <laughs> these boys are playing catch in the hallway with, they're like throwing this other kid's books back and forth. Bobby's like, what do you do? You know, I gotta write you guys up. And they're like, we're just helping him carry his books. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a kid with long hair. Bobby's like writing their name and the kid's like, I know, I know, last name first. Because that's, that's what Bobby says to everybody. Yeah. And now in the backyard, the four oldest kids are working on the boat. And, and Greg's my, wearing a shirt with flowers again. And my first one. reaction is because of something Mike says, like, you may be getting to that, like, we have to learn how to sail or something. I'm like, wait, oh. wait, he bought a sailboat? No, it was free. Someone gave oh, it to him, right. remember? Okay. And they don't know how to sail. But anyway. Greg is, of course, fantasizing about taking some girl out in the boat on a moonlit night. Because he's high. And Peter's like, oh, yeah, I didn't even notice <laughs> yeah. that. Peter, well, first Greg's like a moonlit night and blah, blah, blah. And Peter's like, oh, right what here. about the girl? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And but Greg's like, oh, she's there. She's there. And they're all like, <laughs> Then Mike comes up to lecture about boat safety. He has a book. And my reaction to that was how funny uh, they don't know how to sail. But instead of going over how you sail, Mike is going to tell them the rules of sailing. Well, because rules are important. <laughs> Not how, how to do it, but what Whatever. the rules are. Cindy is acting like a fucking idiot, as usual. She comes home. She tells them Bobby is tied up at school, taking, he's still taking names. You think the kids <laughs> would just be like, fuck you, the bell ring. Yeah. And Mike is a little bit concerned mm-hmm. by this, that Bobby's getting into it back at school bobby is getting a drink of water and so this must be like the next day at school cindy and two of her friends run by him and he writes them up but to cindy's dismay she doesn't think, oh it's okay he's my brother i don't know why she would think i know like well she is pretty dumb yeah um the two other girls are giggling when bobby's writing <laughs> them up. They, they obviously don't give a shit yeah. but it's like really what's oh you get detention probably yeah i don't know maybe I think it's a little bizarre of the school to depend on the law enforcement of a child to determine whether people yeah, get detention well, or not. There's many things disturbing yeah. about the school they go to. <laughs> so they're in the kitchen. Uh, Bobby is uh, sitting at the table. Alice brings Bobby a napkin. He's eating cookies and milk. It's after school. Cindy comes in. She she stalks into the mm-hmm, kitchen. Yeah. She opens the refrigerator and takes something out, and she puts it on Bobby's plate, and it's a slice of cheese. And he's like, what's that cheese for? And she said, for you. All rats eat cheese, and she stalks out. (laughs) Alice comes over and asks, so what the fuck is going on? And Bobby says, he had to report her. She was running in the halls. And Alice says, so that's why she had to stay after school. And Bobby says, well, if you break a rule, you have to get punished. Mm-hmm. In the family room, Cindy is complaining to Carol about Bobby. And Carol says, well, it's his job. The same rules apply to everyone. Mm-hmm. And Cindy doesn't see why. She's right. a sister. Yeah. And Carol says, well, if Bobby was a cop and I ran a red light, then I'd expect him to give me a ticket. And Cindy says, if it was her son, she'd give him a spanking if he gave her a <laughs> ticket. And Bobby comes in and Cindy leaves and Carol shakes her head. Mm, kids. And then Carol says, gee, I wonder if he would give me a ticket. Mm. Like, she really w- would wish him not to. Yes. You know damn well he wouldn't give his own fucking no, mother a ticket. No, he wouldn't. And Bobby says to Carol, Carol, she was complaining about me, wasn't she? And I bet you took her side. Carol tells him no, that she told Cindy that Bobby was just doing his duty. Bobby's glad that she understands. And Bobby says, it's a lot of responsibility Mm. being a lawman. Mm -hmm. And after, oh, this is what, after he leaves, Carol wonders, 
to herself if he would ever give her a ticket. Yeah. Now we're in the girls' room. Mm -hmm. Jan is reading in bed, and Bobby comes in and says he saw Alice. Oh, she's got those little curlers in her side curls, too. Bobby comes in and says he saw Alice setting the table, and it was Jan's turn. It's like... Alice always seems to be doing work, and yet they all seem to have these chores to do, too. So it's like, what is well, Alice's job? trying chat? to teach him responsibility. Yeah, okay, whatever. He says, you know we aren't supposed to foist our chores, chores on... Well, he says they aren't supposed to foist their chores onto Alice. They can't just go around breaking the rules. We never find out exactly why, but apparently she's trying to... She's reading for school or we something. We find out later why. Oh, well, that's right, we do. she doesn't really make much of an attempt think, to explain it to Bobby. She Maybe she she feels like Fuck she doesn't him. have to. Jan's like, hey, this is home, not school. Right. And Bobby says, a rule is a rule. And Jan is going to be on the report. He turns into mom and dad you at know, the end of the I week. And I just did not see that coming. So I guess I'm tattling is okay. Yes, it is if you're not Cindy. In fact, I bring that up later in, a, in another episode okay. today, too. As you know, tattling is only bad if Cindy's doing it. Poor Cindy. Jan is like, hey, I have a good reason. And Bobby's like, tough shit. i got to get my report out. Nighttime in the boys' room, Greg is tiptoeing in in like a fuchsia leathery jacket. Yes, looking very furtive. And And Bobby shines a a flashlight in his face and says that Greg is 25 minutes late and it will be on his report. Now we're in the backyard. And the boat has these really cool designs on it. Yeah, which and I Greg really and Marsha are painting over it. Yes, Marsha says she and Jan goofed painting it like that. And Greg says you're lucky you're not on Bobby's report. And Marsha says she is on it for borrowing a bracelet from Carol without asking. She calls Bobby a stinker. Mm-hmm. And the kitchen, Bobby tells Alice. But Alex, I start. I wondered at this point if we were going to see some payback coming mm-hmm. yeah well it's happened before and the kitchen bobby tells alice she put cans and spray bottles in the trash when they are supposed to be separated alice is like so <laughs> <laughs> fuck you <laughs> bobby says he has to put her on his report alice is like what the fuck and then she accidentally starts up the blender with no top Causing orange stuff to go everywhere. Now we're in the backyard again. Mike is putting letters on the boat. The SS Brady. Mm, How clever. Mike says they'll go sailing probably this weekend when he gets the sail he ordered. Bobby walks up wearing a tie and sport jacket and has his SM armband on. (laughs) He's on his way to school to get his picture taken. Carol says, don't get dirty. Uh-huh. After he leaves, Jan asks if Bobby has to come when they launch the boat. Like, she doesn't want him to come. Yeah. Carol says, of course he does. Jan, Peter, and Cindy say, then they don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Mike says, what's this all about? <laughs> As if he doesn't know. And the kids all start talking at yeah, once. Yeah, at once. That whole talking at once thing where they overdo it and there's all these histrionics. And, and it, Mike's just like, and it just seems oh, like acting. We're at school. Bobby bids goodbye to the other SMs, safety yes. monitors. Yeah. He's walking home from school. They're all boys, by the way. Of course they are. He's walking home from school, and a girl, Jill, calls to him, asking him to help. Her cat is stuck in an abandoned house, a crack house. Bobby says, there are no trespassing signs, though. Mm. And Jill is distraught. Please, you've got to get Pandora out for me. <laughs> Bobby's like, no, there's a sign. A rule's a rule. But Jill is wailing at him, so he gives in. Yeah. 
Now we're in the abandoned house. Bobby crawls through a window and he calls to the cat. Of course, that's not the cat is gonna freaking cats. There are like open windows. The cat and the get thing out. is, the cat. You can try the more you try to get the cat, the right. the more they're gonna run right. away from you. But she is meowing, and she 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 goes up the chimney. And then she comes out and runs out an open window. Jill calls, thanks, Bobby, and runs off with the cat. Uh And Bobby's covered in soot. Mm -hmm. Says, Mom and Dad are going to kill me. Yeah, they are. So he's sneaking into the house. Mm -hmm. No one's home. He calls out. There's a note on the chalkboard that says they will all be home at 6. And you wonder where they all are. And at first I'm like, oh, they're all sailing. And then I'm like, no, they haven't gone sailing yet. I know. That's what I said. I wrote, where, Menos, where the fuck did they all go? Yeah. And Bobby's psyched because he has an hour to clean his to clean up. And I'm like, don't put the clothes in the no, washer. Bobby, don't no. put the clothes in the washer. Don't they remember? When was it? Uh, yeah. to, yeah, there was there, another one. Yes, there was. In the laundry room. In his undies, mm-hmm. putting clothes in the wash. He puts a shitload of soap. He's using safe soap. Yeah, and he puts the, because they got a lifetime supply of it. Now, he doesn't bother to look at the directions. No, and he dumps the entire box. Because apparently laundry like, isn't one of his chores. And I wondered if he was actually going to wash his face, too, because that was all Well, that's, I was more concerned about the soot on his body than on his clothes. Mm. That he should wash yes. it off. Yeah. So then he's in the boys' room doing homework. The washer is overflowing. Yeah. And actually, the laundry room is fucking huge. And it's like in the it's same bigger... place in the house as Alice's bedroom. So maybe. Well, it's... I think Alice is from before. The... Remember that time they all watched Tigger? Yeah. Um, it seemed like her bedroom was like right off of that room or yeah. something. Yeah. Well, so she can do the laundry yes, quickly all without... the time. Yeah. And it's filling up with bubbles. The laundry room. Yeah. And, of course, Bobby cuts back to him in his room, oblivious. He <laughs> checks the clock and goes to check on the laundry, and he finds the room full of suds. It's just like that scene in the movie Mr. Roberts. Jack Lemmon and Yes, Henry I know. Yeah. That movie. Just, just as Alice and Carol come home from shopping with a bunch of packages. So, apparently, everybody wasn't going to be home at 6, because here are Alice and... Carol coming home from shopping. Even, they enter the kitchen and they notice suds coming out from under the door. Alice says she wasn't even using the washer today. But she knew immediately that she would get blamed. They run and open the door and Bobby's yelling for help. They find him and they are nice to him. Yeah, He's they in are. there covered yeah. in suds. Yeah. Later in the family room, Bobby is telling Mike and Carol what happened. Mike says it calls for punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he planned that was the whole his whole plan is now playing out Bobby says of course I broke a rule yes and Carol says he did break a rule but he did it for a good reason see Mike likes to get them off and get them on this course that inevitably some disaster is going to happen so that he can punish and further Mike's plan yeah I know he can you know he, he deliberately he withholds says, information at the beginning so that like he can though. teach them so he says Mike says quote we always have to have rules in law but we always have to use them with reason and right. justice yes there are nuances that he didn't explain it seems like he's had this kind of discussion before well it's one of his favorite topics and yes they don't listen <laughs> yeah well, I think because they think, because they're very um, specific thinkers, and so it's always it always only relates to the topic at the moment. 
I know. not a bigger, you know, it's not like they're critical thinkers. <laughs> no, they or, never, yeah. they never learn anything. Yeah. Then Mike and Carol tell him they won't, they won't punish him, but they want to talk to him about his report. Greg was late because his date forgot her house key and he didn't want to leave her there alone. Mm-hmm. So Greg said, Jan, <laughs> Jan was reading a book to study. And just because he's an authority at school doesn't mean he is at right. home. Well, she had a big test the next yes. day on the book. Yes. Yeah. And he's been a douchebag, or as they say, a stinker. Yeah. Bobby says he guesses he should apologize to everyone. And he's learned something. First, even if you have authority, you have to listen to people. Mm. Second, you have to use justice and reason. Mm. Mike says anything else. And Bobby says, most important, never use a whole box of soap in a washing machine. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> okay, um, they all surround the boat. The, this is the tag. tag. right. They're all around the boat. Bobby shows up in super tight high waters. They're his former good pants. <laughs> Bobby's pants slip. Mike says, I think he got a split. Well, first, somebody remarks on the pants, and, and Bobby's like, well, Mom told me to wear something that it's okay if it gets wet. Yeah. And so he's wearing the... Okay, sorry. Yeah, I just said, no, I just, you know, I... Mike says, I think he got a split midships. Yeah. Carol says, I bet he got a draft aft. Oh, I get it. Because <laughs> his pants split. I felt that one was a classic. I liked it more than the first one yes. because of the mic explaining. Yes, and... they had it. Yeah, because of the lesson teaching, but it yeah. wasn't it wasn't as heavy handed as some of the other. Yes, ones. of yeah. the lesson teaching it was a little more subtle. Yeah, there wasn't the the difference was that in previous ones the the punishment to the person who has to learn the lesson can be very severe. Oh. The The difference with this one is that there wasn't some big mind fuck punishment on and again, and again, the subplot was there was no reason for it. Yeah. It was, was, like they got the, it was similar to the go-kart one where they got the boat. It was very similar to the go-kart one. They're painting the boat and then... Right. That there's just this, this object that's the focus of their attention and it all leads to a final joke. Yeah. Basically, I think it's basically just to give some of the actors something to do, you know, because the show is focusing on one kid. Season four, episode 15, Greg gets grounded. Another classic. And this this is my, when I'm thinking back in my mind, I get this mixed up with uh, the other one where we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So opening scene, Greg and Bobby come home in the convertible and Bobby has a giant frog. I mean, a a big fat frog in a box. Mm -hmm. He paid $2 for it, he says. $2 in 1973. Today would be about eleven dollars and fifty four cents, mm-hmm. which is kind of yeah, for a frog. Well, why buy a frog at a pet shop? That's what Greg said. What, Greg Peter? says, "Oh, no." Greg says, says that's an expensive frog, but Bobby bought it for the frog jumping contest, which we find out later is actually sponsored by the pet shop. So maybe it's a ploy to oh. get them people to buy frogs. And first prize is twenty five dollars. Yeah. And Greg has bought a new album by the Strawberry Shortcakes. Which are a fake group. Obviously. It sounds like something that a 12-year-old girl would listen to. And he's wearing pink pants, which are pretty groovy. He's looking groovy all around. Greg's pretty groovy. So we're in Mike's den office, and Bobby brings the frog in to show Mike and Carol. And Bobby says he wouldn't have gotten the frog if not for Greg driving him to the pet store. And Greg is such a good driver. Oh, yeah. He's such a good driver. They just missed getting in an accident. 
And Mike and Carol are like, wait, what? Greg's like, <laughs> Greg's no, like nothing. No. It was nothing. Greg says, no, it was nothing. It, it turns out it was a near miss on the freeway. Mike and Carol say Greg must have been driving too fast. And Bobby says, no, he was looking at the... <laughs> <laughs> Bobby says, no, he wasn't driving too fast. He was just looking at the back cover of his new album. So it was like the 1973 version of Distracted Driving. And Greg's, Greg's like, I only glanced at it. <laughs> just like texting. And Mike and Carol are pissed. Oh, they're bullshit. And Bobby kind of sneaks out of the room. Yeah, and kind of looks back at Greg like, eh, you know. So, yeah. so they take away Greg's driving privileges for a week. Greg starts bitching about it, and Mike's like, Okay, oh, what does he say? It's better than two weeks. And then Greg keeps bitching, and Mike's like, you want to go for a third week? And Greg's all pissy, and yeah, he stalks yeah. out. And then Carol and Mike are all, you know, like, righteous about And it. I'm wondering why Bobby didn't get in trouble for snitching. Because he's not Cindy. Right, exactly. It's so the of... next scene is we're in the driveway. Bobby is trying to get the frog to jump. And Peter comes up and asks, what are you doing? And Bobby tells him about, you know, he bought the frog. And Peter's like, why would you buy it? There's tons of frogs in the pond. And Bobby says, well, it's a special frog. And then Greg comes up and says, thanks for opening your big mouth. Uh-huh. And he tells Peter what happened. And Bobby's like, I was just telling Mom and Dad what a great driver you are. And Greg says, how old are you? And Bobby says, 11. So uh-huh. let me get a clue. Yeah. And Greg says, amazing. Someone can get so stupid in such a short time. And then he walks off. And I want to say, too, I'm concerned throughout the show. About, about the welfare of frogs. frogs. Yes. In fact, my town has a frog jumping contest yeah. on the 4th of July, and the kids, it's right by the mill stream, there's like two lakes connected, and the kids, they encourage the kids to catch them and then let them go after the contest. The contest was actually shut down a few years ago because of concerns about frog welfare. Well, the poor frogs. Um, and then brought, well, it is, and in this show, they're particularly yes. manhandled. We'll talk about them. Yeah. And Bobby tells Peter, wait till I win it. I win the contest. And Peter doesn't know and anything about the contest. And then he won't think I'm con- so stupid. But Peter yeah. doesn't know anything about the contest. And Bobby tells him about the prize, a $25 prize. So $25 in 1973 is about the same as $144. Wow. And, and, I'd, I'd take it. Yeah, for a far Shit, yeah. Peter's like, wow. And Peter's like, can anyone enter? And Bobby's like, it's just for frogs. <laughs> and Peter's like, I'm going down to Brooks Pond and get a frog. Right. And Bobby says, good luck with a plain old frog. It's not a thoroughbred like Spunker. And then the frog and, makes and a croaking noise. Spunker hasn't shown any spunk at all. In fact, it, it's a kind of indictment of pet store pets. Now we see Greg on the phone to his friend Scott. He struck out, he tells Scott. He wrote his... Now, this is going to not... Kids aren't going to understand this until we explain it. Yeah. But I suspect a lot of our listeners are all right. Yeah. So Greg tells Scott that he rode his bike to the music store, but the rock concert tickets are sold out there. Mm-hmm. The only place he can go get tickets now is to go down all the way down to the stadium. Mm-hmm. And that's how you used to be able to get them. You used to either music store would sell them or at the stadium box office. Or then it was a big deal when we were um, like Ticketron or Ticketron and Ticketmaster. At Sears used to have a Ticketron booth. Right. We in used fact, to go to Sears and get tickets. Um, it reminded me, and, and Greg's bumming because he has no way to get tickets, and it reminded me of the summer of 1978 when I was working 
I was an intern at the newspaper in Brunswick, the Bath Brunswick Times Record. I was in high school. It was between my two junior years and high, junior and senior year in high school. And I was staying with my cousin Adele, who worked at the Naval Base that was there at the time. And anyway, Springsteen was playing at the Augusta Civic Center. <laughs> and I couldn't get anyone to either go to the Civic Center or go to Sears to get the tickets. And I don't know when the show was and why I wouldn't have been able to do it on the weekend. Maybe the show was that weekend. And it was back when there, when Springsteen was in concert, you could still get tickets. It, another time, he was playing, I think it was in Providence, and this was after Ticketron came out, and I was living in Manchester, New Hampshire, and there was this massive snowstorm. I was living with Mom and Dad um, in Hudson, which was like half an hour south of Manchester, and Nikki and I went, our youngest sister, at 3 in the morning to get in line, and we were fourth in line, and then ticket. Ticketron or Ticketmaster, whichever it was, had paid a hundred kids to go get in line, and somehow they weren't there when we got there. Sitting in this hallway, we went there during this blizzard. They showed up at like six in the morning. The tickets were going to go on sale at nine, and were allowed in front of us. Oh, that's annoying. It sucked because back then you had to go buy the yes. tickets. But once Ticketron and Ticketmaster started, which was after Greg Brady. People all over the region would be buying them, too. So yes. it wasn't like back in 78 when, it, if he was at the Augusta Civic Center, you were either going to get him at Sears or the Civic. It was, when you think about it, boy, the Internet changed everything, it did. didn't it? Not always in a good way. No, I mean, things were, you had to work harder for stuff back then. So, Millennials think they have it hard now, but, you know, you had to work hard for stuff back then. I'm sorry. Don't don't put down millennials since they listen to podcasts. Are they listening to this one? I don't know. Okay. Greg tells Scott that uh, you know he's not allowed to use the car, but he really has to get tickets because he promised Rachel that he'd take her to the rock concert. Right, and they never say who the concert well, is. Well, it could be one of those things where it's a bunch of bands. And he hangs up and calls another friend, which we don't hear that conversation because we go to Peter, who's on the patio with a frog, and Jan and Cindy come out of the house and the sliding door that has no glass or mm-hmm. screen in it. Peter's petting the frog. And they ask if that's is that Bobby's frog? And he says, no, he got it at Brooks Pond. And its name is Frog, which is better than dog. <laughs> yeah, good old Peter. And Cindy says you should call him Croaker. And Peter says, yes, good old Croaker. He tries to make the girls hold the frog because he has to go get some leaves for it. And they're like, ew, it's gross. Yeah, they squeal. And... So he puts his baseball cap on the frog and the frog's well, jumping. And, well, after the girls do that, I just want to say he goes, and I saw this coming, he goes, girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just I Those just girls. Say, yeah. He puts his cap on the frog to keep it from jumping away. And he's going to pick some fake leaves. And of course, <laughs> as he's picking the leaves, he sees Alice, we see, and he sees Alice come out with the laundry because apparently she hangs it outside. And even though there doesn't seem to be a laundry line. Some, I'd say, uh, yeah, that's true. You know, but anyway. Of course, Alice is think she's seeing things because the frog, the hat keeps hopping, and then she finally takes the hat off, and it's the frog, and she screams, and Peter thinks it's funny. And I felt like that sequence went on way too long. Uh, way, way too long. Uh-huh. They needed to fill some time. Yeah. Then we see Greg pacing outside the den, and he's peeking in the little window things, and Mike comes out, and Greg wants to. To look at Dad's plans, and he's kissing up to Mike. Very obviously Mike, Mike just looks at him and he's like, no way. Right. Mike says there are no exceptions. 
because uh, Greg wants to use the car just to drive just there to get and the back. Because he's got no way to get the ticket. But uh, why can't Mike drive him down there? Am I? Because Mike wants to punish I him. Know. And my feeling too is this is L.A. right or a suburb of L.A. Yes. Isn't there public transportation? They have very poor public. But I mean, they did have it, but I know it's problem. Buses it's, and shit. They do, but they're paying. The, I guess they're. I don't know. People from L.A. Let us know. And, I know they do. Yes, they do have. I mean, it. I've been there and taken public transit. I, I mean, know. but you think he could talk like his mom or somebody or or something? But or something? Know. Yeah, drive him there. Or have Marsha go get him. She doesn't have her license yet. Remember, that's coming. Oh up. yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry. I think. So Mike's like, no, there's no exceptions, blah, blah, blah. And Greg, so Greg's disappointed. He looks in his address book and he dials the phone and he's talking to George. And George, it sounds like George is willing to help him out, but George is sick. Right. But then George is, as they're talking, George is giving Greg some idea, some kind of idea. We don't really know yet what that is. And we're back to Bobby trying to get Spunker to jump at a fake fly. Well, Spunker is a real lemon. I'll tell you, his brother hasn't fucking moved since Bobby brought him home. Well, can you blame him? No, I feel bad for him. He wants to be back in the stream, although he's a pet shop. Yes, he's a pet shop frog. Yeah, he's a pet shop frog. I didn't frog. know they sold frogs at pet shops. Although I, I have seen lizards and well, stuff. Well, maybe in L.A. they do. Probably so you can feed them to your boa constrictor or whatever. Uh, Carol and Marsha are on their way out, and Bobby scares them with the fake fly he's trying to use to... Yeah, another sequence that goes on too long. And Carol says she's she's going to drop Marsha off at the library and go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So why can't she drop Greg off at the stadium? I don't know. I know, that wouldn't fit in with the... Right. So Carol's at the, in the store, and she bumps into Jenny. Mrs. And Thompson. It turns out she's George's mom. Yeah. And Jenny says, oh, if you need a lift home... And Carol's like, what? I don't know. There's nothing wrong with my car. Carol's like, what are you talking about? And <laughs> Jenny's like, oh, I assumed when Greg came by to borrow George's car that yours was in the shop. And, Carol, and also, what, the one thing I thought was funny was Jenny. Uh, Mrs. George, Thompson, T.O. Well, she called her Jenny. I know, I know. She has curlers in her I hair. know, I wrote that down, yeah. Well, because when we were kids. And the Ladies thing, would have curlers in, her hair, in their hair. Well, because. they wear those things Well, because. Over. The grocery store in the neighborhood during the day was like a woman's domain. Yes. There weren't men. They, right. they were all at work. Right. The only men were the delivery men. Yeah. I mean, and the women would walk. It's basically. Right. Yeah. I mean. Free for all. Women would have curls Men, you don't even hair. know what you were missing. It was like this hot woman dominated place of scantily dressed. No, men. that's. Yeah. Um, so Carol's like, oh, Greg borrowed George's car, huh? And Jenny's like, yeah, to go to the stadium and buy tickets. And Carol's like, hmm. And, of course, Carol doesn't let on that, you know. No, but, boy, she doesn't waste any time, does she? She's she's back. The next scene, she's in the den telling Mike all about it. And Mike says, he can't believe that Greg would deliberately disobey. It's almost like you get the impression from Carol's opening line there, you know, why would Jenny thompson lie about this or like uh, that mike almost doesn't believe i know what, and but it was so specific obviously and why wouldn't he think greg would lie? well this is what i'm saying greg has never tried to find loopholes before never i know, I know. really mike um greg comes in and says jan said they wanted to see him but and- i just want to say too but mike like many control freaks is constantly stunned by the fact that people would not do exactly Someone what he would wanted defy them to do. him. Yeah. And he's wearing a third 
flowery yes, t-shirt. Yes. He's got lots of them. <laughs> a lot of them. And Mike asked Greg if he did it. Did you drive? Did you borrow George's car? And Greg's like, yes, I did. And Greg says, well, you said I couldn't drive our car. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Mike and Carol are like, no, we said you couldn't drive. And Greg is like, no. The old yes, Brady sir. loophole. And Mike is pissed. Oh, he's bullshit. He is bullshit. And he says, except for school, you are not to leave this house for the next 10 days. And I'm like, now that's grounding. Because before when he was grounded, it was just that he couldn't drive the car. Yes. But he, he was yeah. really grounded. And Greg's like, but I'll miss the rock concert. And Mike's like, oh, too bad. Yeah, and that's then, what happens when you fuck with Mike. Because no one can be smarter than Mike. And Greg stalks out. I know you are. Greg stalks out, and uh, Mike and Carol just shake their heads like, oh, Greg. Uh, but Mike is secretly I know, loading. They, they like it. So Greg, we're in the boys' room. Uh, the boys are sleeping except Greg. He's lying awake. He's upset. So he gets up, and Mike is doing some weird exercises while Carol watches. Squats. Yeah. Uh, Greg knocks, and, and he comes in. He says he's got something to say. It's unfair to ground him when he didn't disobey. And Carol's like, we've been over that. Come on. Don't fuck with, don't fuck with me, Greg. Mm-hmm. And Greg says, you didn't say not to drive. And Mike says, you knew what we meant. Are you trying to say that we would have, that would have made a difference? And Greg says, well, it would have been clear. And Carol says, so it's our fault. And Greg says, no, but I wish you would use exact words. Mm-hmm. And Mike and Carol say, okay, should we do that? Are you prepared to live by those rules? And Mike, rules? Mike and is, they're both like, yeah. Yeah, Mike is seeing Okay, it. Greg, you're laying down the gauntlet yeah. here. And Greg says, absolutely. And Mike says, all right. We think you knew what we meant, but fine. And Greg's like, so I'm not grounded? Mike's like, no, but you still have four days to go for the original and thing. Greg's like, good, I can go to the rock And Greg's concert. like, okay. And he's happy he won't, won't miss the concert. And he leaves. And Carol says, she's not sure they should have let him get away with it. And Mike says, I don't think we're letting him. Mike's already scheming. Mike is relishing the yes, chance. He loves all this. Mike's like, we're not letting him get away with anything. Exact words are pretty hard to live by. Yeah. And they nod at each yeah. other knowingly. knowingly yes. They're like, yes. yes. They can't wait to fuck with Greg. Yes. They can't wait. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. what they live for. Yeah. Now we're in the backyard. An old croaker. They're trying to race old croaker against spunker. I found, not only did I find the frog scenes bothersome because I was concerned about the frogs, but I also found them boring. They were really boring. Cindy is on Peter's team and Jan and Marsha are on Bobby's. I wrote in my notes that I've yet to see Spunker jump. Spunker hasn't fucking moved. <laughs> Spunker is the like The kids are dead. yelling at the poor frogs. Yeah. So Spunker, yeah, Spunker doesn't move. Old Croaker, of course, wins. Oh, Spunker's a pet store pet. So Bobby thinks Spunker is sick and he decides he's going to go to the pond to get a a regular frog. I hope he puts Spunker in the pond. I don't think so. Uh, we're back in the den. The den is getting a lot of use. Yep. Greg is in his pajamas. With a bathrobe on. And Mike says he didn't hear him come in. And Greg said... Uh, that he came in 15 Greg said, ago. Yeah, Greg said, my exact words were, I'd be home and ready for bed by 11. And Mike says, but weren't you going to wash your mother's car today? And Greg's like, fuck I forgot. I forot and Mike's like exact words. So Greg, Greg's uh, Mike like fine and Mike, he Mike was just waiting yep. for something like that. He knew it. So we show they show Greg in the driveway in his robe and pajamas washing the car. Of course he sprays himself in yeah, the face. Yeah, with the hose, yeah. Carol's in the bedroom and Greg comes in. He washed her car. 
Carol says, wait, you switched chores with Marsha this week, right? And Greg's like, yeah. And Carol says, well, Marsha was supposed to do something tonight. Dishes. And Greg's like, fucking A. And she's like, you still have 15 minutes left of the night. Mm -hmm. And then he sprays himself Self doing the dishes. And I'm like, again, what does Alice do? And so the dinner dishes have been sitting there. Maybe it's her day off, midnight. okay. Okay. Oh, you're one to talk about dishes <laughs> sitting around. <laughs> now we're back with the frogs. There's a hell of a lot of time spent on these fucking frogs. Peter and Bobby have a box full of frogs. Mm-hmm. That are jumping around. And Bobby's looking for Herman, the best jumper in all these frogs. Yes. And the poor frogs are all in the box together, like, yeah. being like, what the fuck is going on? Peter says, put them all in the line, and the one who jumps the furthest is Herman. And then, of course, the frogs start jumping everywhere, mm -hmm. and Peter and Bobby are laughing. Yeah, it's kind of cute. Now Greg is on the phone with Rachel, who is played by... Hope, Hope Sherwood. Sherwood. Schwartz. Hope Schwartz. But they, she doesn't have the name Schwartz. They use Sherwood, Sherwood. Yeah. as her last name, but she's... Um, uh, the daughter of Sherwood Right, Sherwood Schwartz. Schwartz's daughter and Lloyd Schwartz's sister. sister. And she's not a great actor. Actors. No, she's not that bad, but whatever. She, and Greg is wearing that striped shirt. He hasn't worn it for this a while. This is her third appearance, by the way. And Greg's saying it's going to be a great concert. And then Bobby and Peter come in. And, they said, and Greg's like, I'll pick you up at 7. Yes. And Bobby and Peter come in and say, hey, the frog jumping contest starts at 8. And you promised to take us. And okay. Greg's like, that's before yeah. I knew about the concert. Can you give concert? us a ride there at 7? And also, drop them and also what frog jumping contest is at 8 o'clock at night? No shit. Yeah. And also, I just want to say, at the beginning of the episode, when Bobby asked Greg if he would drive him to the contest when they were walking into the oh, house, yeah. and Greg's like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll drive you. I knew something was going to happen. Oh, that's right. I forgot I about that. And Greg's like, too bad. I'm taking Rachel to the concert. I guess he forgot all about the exact words. Yeah. Then. And then we're in Mike and Carol's room with the boys, and Mike says, did you say you would take them? And Greg's like, yeah, but that was before the concert. And Carol says, well, did you put any conditions on it? And mm -hmm. both Mike oh, and Carol they're, they're are like having yeah. cream in their jeans over they're this. They're really showing him. And Bobby's like, no. And Greg says, that's what I meant. And Carol says, well, exact words. And Greg says, what am I supposed to tell Rachel? And Peter says, that there's a big frog jumping contest. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So Greg's on the phone with Rachel and can't bring her to the concert, but Rachel is understanding. She probably couldn't care less. Right. She just wanted to be with him. She says maybe they can go to a movie after the frog jumping contest. Mm -hmm. And this is where I, when they're in the movies, where I got it mixed up with the one with Bobby. Right. And they even reference that one. Yes, let they me, do. So we see Greg dropping off the boys in the um, driveway. He's in a rush to get to right. Rachel. Right. He, he tears out. In fact, I was afraid he was going to get in an accident or something. He tore. He, he well, he's got to get to the They're going yeah. to the drive-in. Yeah. Woo. And guess what? Peter's frog came in 35th. Bobby's was 48th. There were lots of contestants, apparently, in apparently, this. Apparently, yep. Yeah. And Greg, oops, Greg left the frogs. They're still in the car. They're Bobby and Peter are like, yeah, ah. Greg left so fast, they didn't get the frogs out of the car. Now we're at the drive-in. <laughs> Greg's bringing a shitload of food for him Pizza, and Rachel. Pizza, popcorn, popcorn and sodas. And the frogs are in the back. <laughs> He's trying to get out of the big box. <laughs> the poor frogs. You'd think they would have heard the frogs before now, but, you know. Well, they they would have been making a hell of a lot of noise since it was night out. Um, Rachel was just looking forward to being with Greg. Yeah. 
Greg reminds her of the last time when he had to bring Bobby. And yeah, that's that the one I get. That was funny that I liked that episode. Greg says, this time we're alone. <laughs> right when he says that a frog jumps on Rachel's head. Yeah. In popcorn and on the pizza and they laugh. And I, I was very concerned with the frog that was covered in cheese. Uh, me too. I'm like, that can't be good for the frog. Poor froggies. They thought, everybody thought it was funny And though. then they're like laughing. Yeah. Um, well, luckily Rachel is a good sport because mm-hmm. Greg's yeah, a pain is. in the ass. That's the end. And then there's a tag of Mike and Carolyn bad mm-hmm. and they're laughing as greg tells them the story and greg says rachel's a good sport mike says it wouldn't have happened except for exact words thing and greg wants to forget about it and they all agree yeah mike wants a good night kiss and carol says what about exact words blah 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 and then they start making out yeah yeah because he because he's like oh i gotta go to sleep and then carol says Remember something about she yeah. wanted a kiss. Right. And he's like, oh, exact words. Yeah. It's like, but you know what? You could tell they weren't really kissing. I'm just saying. It was that big, like, hug thing where the his body yeah. blocks hers, and they're obviously not kissing. Our last episode that we're talking about yeah. is season four, episode 16. 16, Amateur Night. We had to watch on YouTube. On I watched Daily it on Motion. Daily Motion. It was backwards. It the, was... the one I watched was just kind of blurry and uh. a little slow. But I think because this one, I think any, we didn't we read somewhere that anyone, any of the ones where they were singing because of the way the copyright stuff ended up, that the stuff where they the kids that were might be why yes that might be why was, it's not there on. Were copyright because uh, any a lot of them with music there were the, yeah you can't, I don't know why the frog on. one wasn't I don't either but um wasn't on Hulu but this opens up in a department store and the clerk is Gregory the pho- photographer I know I saw that I noticed that they have these same actors they recycle and by the way I want to say too as we get into this poor Jan everyone that features her. It's it's her with some neurotic issue. Oh, by the oh, way, guess, by the way, oh. the opening scene I read is uh, the building they show is the I guess famous May Company department store oh. in LA. It was a it was a I think it was an Art Nouveau. Oh, interesting. Um, this is not a library. Probably not there like anymore. Yeah. So Jan's picking up a silver platter uh, that they ordered. As a gift for Mike and Carol's, Carol's anniversary. anniversary. And I'm thinking, why didn't we do that for Mom and Dad's anniversary? Yeah, I'm sure they Our parents' been 60th anniversary was uh, uh, yeah. was a couple days ago. Exciting. She has gotten an engraving on it, and Gregory's like, yeah. Uh, Jan's like, I already paid for it. Duh. And Gregory's like, no. Uh, and by Gregory, we're talking about the store clerk. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. The photographer, his his name is not Gregory. But no, in this he's um, Alfie, Alfred. Alfred, Alfred. But I'm calling him Gregory right now because I don't know his name. Jan's like, I already paid for it, and he's like, you didn't pay for the engraving, which was eighty five cents a letter. So she goes in her wallet to get some change out, and she says, there you go, eighty five cents. And he said, no, it's eighty five cents a letter. You owe fifty six dollars and twenty three cents. Which is about three hundred and fourteen dollars. Yes, that's a lot of money. Which is a lot. And she's like, I thought it was eighty five cents. Which is like, how stupid can you be? I know people. Keep I guess her I stupid. wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, I guess you aren't. And mm-hmm. I realized that Gregory was the photographer. Alfred. Yeah. Can I just call yes. him Gregory for yes. now? Okay. The audience okay. does not know he's Alfred. 
<laughs> he hasn't said his name. Okay. Gregory is always around on their anniversary because the the photographer. Oh, that's right. That was their anniversary. That's right. Too. Jan is like, what am I gonna do? The anniversary is a week away. The clerk is oh, like, Chan, Chan, Chan. Oh well. Now it seems like you would pay at least half in advance for engraving or something uh, like you, that. You that's normally custom. would. It just seems like. And then it's right. not like he can do anything with it now. Well, and he even says that because she's like, well, can at least. Oh, maybe we're gonna say. Yeah. No, but she was gonna. She says, "Well, can you at least hold it? Yeah, you know, and we'll try to get the money and together." Like, yeah, and, and he's he, like, "Well, it's not like I can do anything with it anyway, unless right somebody else has an anniversary named Carol and Mike, and they have six kids." And he goes through all their names yes. and shit. So now we're in the girls' room, and Marcia says, "Jan, how could you be so stupid?" And one thing I like about this show is it's before the modern thing of <laughs> you not, can't call no people name names. Calling. Yeah. And it turns out the engraving was Jan's idea. She wanted to surprise everyone. Which I'm glad she brought up because I was thinking beforehand, didn't they discuss this? Didn't they discuss the cost? Oh. Didn't they? But apparently. And Marsha's like, where are we going to get the money? And they think maybe Alice has it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alice, who they pay to work for them, they're going to try to friggin' borrow money from her. So they go downstairs, and Alice is on the phone to Kay. Remember her friend Kay? Friend, yeah. She's describing a soap opera, which apparently we'll talk about this later, but it seems like the soap opera's on, like, even on weekends. Mm-hmm. She's describing the soap opera because Kay's picture tube on her TV, which they don't make them that way anymore, but the picture tube didn't work. So, yeah. so, so the girls over here, Alice asks Kay to borrow money. For her insurance. So you think the Bradys would pay for insurance? Right. Well, she said, yeah, she, Alice said, I had to buy the Brady, Mr. and Mrs. Brady, uh, an anniversary present, and then my insurance premium came due, and I don't get paid for two weeks. And so I'm like, God, what, does she get paid once a month? But I don't think, like, when you're an employee like that, you don't pay your insurance. No, they don't. You You would have your own insurance. But this is also 1973, so I don't even know what insurance But I'm thinking, yeah, how often do they fucking pay her? But also, what bills does she have besides insurance? I mean, she lives there. Well, she maybe she buys stuff for herself. She doesn't have a car. I know. She doesn't have any house expenses. She she wears she a uniform eats. all the time. She probably eats their food unless they make her buy her own food. She has a little <laughs> fridge in her. But even that, you know. But anyway, so Marsha and Jan are over. They hear that she has no money, so. So they're like, oh, let's get out of here before she asks us to borrow money. It's like, fuck you, you yeah, bitches. Entitled little And shits. so now Mike's on the phone to Mr. Phillips. Mr. <laughs> Phillips wants him to do something. Um, he has to appear before the planning commission. Mike and Carol apparently were planning on going away for their anniversary, and then now they can't, thanks to Mr. Phillips, that fucker. See, I think, because Mike said it's Thursday night, he has to go before the planning commission. They could still go for the weekend. I know. And just not have go Thursday night. No shit, but uh, uh, whatever. It's the courthouse. Yes, it's for the courthouse. The courthouse design, so it's very important. Bobby and Cindy come in, and Mike chokes that Carol is his secretary. Yeah, yeah. He says, well, they want to talk to him, and he says, well, I hope you don't mind if my secretary stays. And (laughs) Bobby and Cindy ask, what should someone do if they need money fast? And Mike says it depends how much, a million, a thousand, 25 cents. And Cindy says, somewhere in between. And Carol offers them an advance on their allowance, and they say it's not for them. And Mike says, well, most people go to the bank. That's why they have loan departments. Yeah, he get. I felt like his description of getting a loan was deliberately obtuse 
He knew they were asking for themselves, and yet he makes it sound like you can just go to the bank and get a loan. Who's yeah, I learned? Fucking with the kids. Whatever. So uh, they're at the bank. Mr. Goodbody, who's the whatever loan officer, he's a very strange man. Yes, he giggles he a lot. He giggles. I, I don't know what he's got going yeah. on. And also, he's talking to somebody on the phone about their personal yes, financial stuff. Yes, right in front of the kids. While Bobby and Cindy I are know, right there. I know. He's lending somebody a hundred thousand oh, oh, dollars. Yes, I, Mr. Goodbody is discussing loan terms very loudly with Mrs. Whitfield on the phone in front of Bobby and Cindy. Right. Uh-huh. She's going to borrow a hundred grand at eight percent interest. Ooh. Then they tell him the story, and he says that someone needs to sign for the loan. Bobby's like, well, Cindy is the best handwriting. And he's like, well, you need collateral. And Cindy's looking a little smug. I liked it because she wasn't looking her stupid, cute self. She kind of had this smug look mm-hmm. on her face like, yeah. I'm... Uh, he says they're really too young for a loan, but he gives them each a bank with a dime in it, which I thought was nice. Yeah, of one of those coin banks where you can put the and coins And they were kind of pissy. They were, yeah, they weren't as... They were polite about it, but they should have realized he was helping them out yes. there. Then in the family room is the next scene. Jan asks, they're all having a well, meeting. And she's taking oh, a fucking beating from those guys. Jan just continues to take a beating. I know. She asked Greg if he collected any debts from his friends, and no. Marcia tried to sell her watch for 10 bucks, but it was too expensive for the girl who wanted to buy it. Peter wants to know what Jan was doing. What have you been doing, bitch? Jan said she signed them up for the amateur show on KBEX and that they have every Saturday morning. She was pressing all of them on what they had done because she wanted to do the big reveal of her. And the the prize is a hundred dollars, which in today's money would be five about five hundred and seventy. Greg's like, what act? Uh, Remember your stupid singing act, Greg? Yeah. Jesus, Greg. Greg says, we have as much chance of getting on that show and winning as we do of robbing a bank. And Bobby's like, hey. (laughs) Greg's like, forget it. And I don't know why Greg is so dismissive of them getting on there when they have singing experience. I know. Then the phone rings, of course, right then. And it's Mr. Stern at the station. They got an audition. So then they're in the garage practicing. And Mike drives up and asks what they're doing, and they, of course, act suspicious. And I'm like, didn't they think up a cover story? They're too stupid. Why don't they go to the park to practice yeah. or something? And then they're practicing again. Carol sees them, and they pretend to be doing jumping jacks. And then they're practicing again, and Alice catches them. And I don't understand why they don't tell Alice. I thought the exact same thing. You would think they would confide in Alice. She could help them. Yes. You know? But then there wouldn't be the scene later. Yes, that's true. So they're the TV station um, auditioning, which I don't know when the audition is. Sometime during the week. They must have skipped school. And they're singing Sunshine Day, Mm -hmm. which for some reason I know all the words and the tune. Like I Now, did one of the kids write that song? I have no idea who. It's not a... It's not a song that anybody has ever sung before them. So one of the music people from the show wrote it yeah but i don't know where it came from bobby and cindy have solos even though they suck and then as we know from our books poor chris knight couldn't sing no so. and he couldn't sing very well in this so they and know so they didn't use him singing. he does sing and he does sing I in the show somebody else's voice oh maybe but whoever's singing sucks. Our voice. Yeah. mr stern though at the station seems to like their act yeah, I wrote Peter's lip syncing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And why does it fade, like, at the end, but they're, like, 
Because supposed to be don't live you remember singing. watching like American Bandstand and all that stuff? It always yeah, did because they were lip syncing. I know, but they're not supposed to be. I know. Um, so, Mr. St- Peter Stern, it's the Peter Stern show. He wants the the name of the group, and then they tell him it's the Silver Platters. Yeah, no, I don't know why they wouldn't just say the Brady's or something. And he tells them the rehearsal is at ten. Show up at eleven. He wants to know what their costumes. He are says the rehearsal is at ten. Show up at eleven. <laughs> show at eleven. <laughs> the rehearsal is at ten, and the show is at eleven. Right. And he wants to know, you know, what he, you got costumes, and they're like, oh no. And then what are they gonna do? And he says, well, come in an hour early, and the we costume, costume wardrobe department will put you in something. Now we're back in the kitchen, and Carol is showing Jan a needlepoint stitch. Because she's needlepointing again. (laughs) Mike comes in and makes some stupid joke about, I don't know. This is just a stupid joke. I can't even remember what it was about, and I didn't write it down. The phone rings. It's Gregory, the photographer, but it's Alfred Bailey. (laughs) Mike thinks it's a boy with a changing voice. (laughs) It turns out it's Alfred Bailey. um, The salesman at the silver store. And he wants money. (laughs) And Jan acts like he's her boyfriend, which is very confusing. Elfie, yeah, yes. she calls him Elfie. And he's just like, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't understand. Then they show, so it's Saturday morning, apparently, all the six kids are sneaking out of the house. Why? I don't, why couldn't they, I don't, right. whatever. Alice catches them, and Greg says they're going to a football game. And again, And Alice is dubious, Alice, I know. Right. And then we're in the fan room, and Alice is watching the soap opera, which, as I said, it's Saturday morning. Yeah. So soap operas generally did not run on Saturdays. Oh, but, maybe it was a rerun. No, no, whatever. Um, it would have been cartoons. Mm-hmm. Alice is explaining the show to Kay again, and she got sick of the show, and she switched to a different station. She stops on Peter Stern's amateur hour. Patty's prancing poodles have just finished. <laughs> Alice's eyes bug out when the kids come on. She calls to Mike and Carol, who are just sitting around the house, apparently. Inexplicably, the kids are singing a different song. They didn't sing Sunshine Thank you. Day. Thank you. Like, why? Okay, they auditioned with one song, They and, but and now they they're sing singing. A totally, like, when did they have time to do all the choreography and rehearsing and everything for two songs? Although the theme of the song is a it's little a makeshift similar. Model TA. Ooh, but, yeah. But there's, it, they're talking about they're the sun being on, out and it being on, a nice day. Yeah, you right. listened to it better than I did. But yeah, because so I know the song. Why are they doing a completely different song? I don't know, but I think they kind of suck at it. Yeah. But whatever. Mike and Carol and Alice are very excited. Yes. Uh, the music fades out again while they finish it, which oh. is. And then the kids tell Pete Starnes and the audience their tale about the silver platter. Mm-hmm. And Mike and Carol look at each other meaningfully. Mm-hmm. And that Pete Stern says, good luck. And they, they do it by apparently by applause meter. Alice wants them to win. It'd be a shame if you didn't get your gift. Hmm. And Mike and Carol say, they've already got their gift. Oh, yeah. Brady's coming third. Yeah. The poodles win. Yes, we I'm find sorry. out at the end. Then the kids come home. Mike and Carol are sitting on the couch. They ask, how was the football game? Mm-hmm. Fucking with them. Uh, of course. Fucking with them. Bobby says they came in third. And Mike says, it must have been some game. <laughs> <laughs> and Jan tells them the truth. Or Jan says, we were going to get you a gift, but whatever. And uh, and Mike says, I know. And he pulls out, kind of like this. And he pulls out the platter. And Carol says that Alfie called about breaking their date. So they went down to the department store and picked up the platter so uh-huh. they paid for it 
Bobby and Cindy said they would have won if they had uh, begged for applause like the poodles and then Bobby mimes begging like yeah. a dog. That's the end of that show. And the tag is they're in the den. Uh, Bobby and Cindy come in to thank Mike for paying for the platter, and they say they're going to pay him back. They said they couldn't get a loan before because they didn't have collateral, but now they have it. The platter. Ha, ha, ha. That's the end. So that's the end of number four. I felt both times they were singing, it went on too long. Very much so. But isn't that when they were trying to get... Yes, they were trying to get a pop band going. But they weren't even that good. I know, they weren't. And they had to use a different voice for I mean, at least the Partridge family could sing. Yeah. And their songs weren't as bad. Yeah. Like, I I think I love you. I I liked a lot of those Partridge friends. Oh, speaking of David Cassidy, um, that guy, uh, Don Reed, one of the shows he was on, I completely forgot about the show. It was on in the mid-70s. Let me see. I wrote it down. It was only a two-season show. One of the shows he was on was, it was called, see if you remember this. David Cassidy, Man Undercover. What? what? It was like on, I don't in remember like that. 78, 77. What was 78. it about? He played a spy or something. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. David Cassidy, Man Undercover. Yeah, man, I think that's what it was called. I can't read my handwriting. I barely remembered that. I didn't remember. I don't remember that at all. So that was our first episode. Back. And, and um, sorry if it was a little... We're getting back in the swing of things. Yeah, getting back in the swing. So, but we'll be back in a couple weeks with... um, Our next episodes will be still on uh, season four. Season four, episode 17, Bobby's Hero. Mm. Episode 18, the subject was noses. (laughs) No one remembers that one, right? Episode 19, how to succeed in business. Uh, uh, Yeah, I remember that. And episode 20, The Great Earring Caper. So we will try to be back Um, in a few weeks. Well, we're alternating with crime and stuff. And we have a crime and stuff that hopefully will be posted by the time this goes up. It will have already been up for a week or two. Our schedules are both such a mess that we're, we know we're not as consistent as we could be, but, um. We're trying to work things out, but it's hard. Yes. So we'll see you next time. Yep. And stay groovy. Yes.